More than two-thirds of eligible Canadians have now been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. But children under 12 are still ineligible for the vaccine. And the testing and approval process for children is a tricky dance when dealing with a coronavirus that seems to target older people. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is Why. Vaccines have been widely available in the country throughout the year, but with September's arrival, kids are back in school and federal health authorities haven't yet approved the COVID-19 vaccine for children under 12. Trials have been underway for months now, so how close are we getting to vaccines approved for children under 12? Yeah, that's, uh, I know that's a question that's top of mind of many families and um, educators. That's Dr. Karina Top, And I'm a pediatric infectious disease physician and a vaccine researcher at the Canadian Centre for Vaccinology in Halifax. Clinical trials for children uh, as down to as young as six months up to 11 years of age are ongoing. Um, so once the, essentially with the, the vaccine development process, they started in adults, obviously, um, then moved down to uh, teenagers, so 12 to 17-year-olds, who have a, their immune system is more similar to adults than that of younger children. And then, um, I guess, probably starting in the spring, they started with um, trials in 5 to 11-year-olds and then um, are moving down to younger children and then to infants. Um, and so the trials for the 5 to 11-year-olds, we're expecting results soon. Uh, it's... Uh, you know, the earliest estimates were the end of September. Um, there, you know, can be delays for various reasons. So this fall and then Health Canada uh, will have to review the data once once they are available and, and will then make a decision about uh, whether to approve it for, uh, approve the vaccines for 5 to 11-year-olds and, you know, what the schedule would be, what the dose would be, those sorts of things. So, um, you know, Health Canada has been very, timely uh, in their reviews through the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at this point, you know, all, given all those factors, pe people are thinking sort of towards the end of the year, those sort of school-age children may have uh, be offered vaccine and then um, early next year for younger children and infants. What are some of the considerations that go into to the vaccine approvals and the, and the vaccine uh uh, trial process uh, for children specifically, for children under under 12? Yeah, so uh, essentially the key thing has been finding the right dose. So uh, we do know, you know, and, and most people um, listening to this, I'm sure will have had their COVID vaccines and we thank them for that. And and um, they'll remember either themselves or, or um, friends and family who, you know, did feel unwell about, you know, for about a day or so after the vaccine, especially the second dose. And um, that's really from the, you know, the, uh, the immune system getting activated by the vaccine to, to make a response uh, against, against the, the spike protein in the vaccine. So you're protecting against COVID. In younger children, that sort of early um, immune response tends to be stronger than in adults. Um, so, that's why, you know, in, you know, babies, when they get their first vaccines, often have fever, um, they may be, um, you know, irritable or crying, um, fussy for a day, you know, or several hours after their vaccines. They're, because they, it's because of that higher um, uh, inflammatory, what we call it, that 
greater degree of inflammation than we see in older and you know in older people, um, where you know it'd be very unusual for someone to get a fever normally after say a flu vaccine um, if they're an adult. So so that so you know children are smaller and their immune that in, inflammation that inflammatory response is stronger. So they they did need to look at what the right dose and I think there was some they so that might involve you know picking a couple of doses try um, a couple different doses to look at how how well how well they respond so you need to make sure that that lower dose is going to uh, in um, generate the same level of response that we see in teens or adults um, and also make sure that it's it's well tolerated so that they're not getting um, you know so that it's safe and um, and then they have to, when they find the right dose, they need to also, you know, be able to, it's not just a matter of kind of diluting it down. They need to have all that manufacturing in place to make sure that they can make, you know, consistent quality um, product uh, at that lower dose. So they actually have to retool some of the manufacturing mm. capacity to be able to make, make you know, ultimately millions of, of those uh, pediatric doses once, once they settle on a dose. And then, mm. as you, yeah, and then absolutely they have to recruit um, participants and, uh, you know, that is always more challenging. Karina, through the pandemic, we've heard that when unvaccinated adults get COVID, it can be pretty severe, but often symptoms aren't as bad when kids catch it. How is that affecting these vaccine trials, especially if part of the trial is to see how effective the immune response is following vaccination? Yeah, so certainly uh, you're right that, um, you know, COVID doesn't affect kids uh, nearly as much um, or as severely as it does adults. Um, So kids are more likely throughout the pandemic have been more likely to have uh, no symptoms at all or very mild symptoms uh, like runny nose, sore throat, even um, and and not much else. Uh, and you know, I think you know, parents can are you know know their children very well, so usually are pretty attuned, as you say, to any changes in activity or or whatnot. But um, uh, you know, but we do believe um, that we have probably undercounted, and and there's actually studies suggesting that that we've undercounted the number of cases in children. So just because their symptoms were so mild and and non and, you know, could have looked like just a, a regular cold, um, though there weren't a lot of cold viruses circulating around last winter. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, you know, th- they may not have taken them for testing. Um, you know, we do, and I think with Delta, we, it's still, um, we still think that that's there's sort of the same pattern is holding true. It's just that it spreads much more um, easily. And so, the total number of children infected is, is higher um, because it's spreading faster. And so that we're seeing just as a result of that higher number of overall cases, more children getting very sick um, in the U S in particular, that hasn't really helped true in Canada thus far, but may mm-hmm. change. Um, so I think that actually the fact that children were much less likely to be infected and also, or much uh, had very mild disease and also were much less likely to transmit um, than adults and, and teens. So there is, uh, you know, in terms of who was bringing COVID into the household or into workplace or into schools, it was largely adults um, and to some extent teenagers and much less younger children. So they were getting it sick from, you know, from parents or close contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
by and large. And so that raises the threshold for for safety of these vaccines in, in those younger children. And um, and we always you know want vaccines to be as safe as possible. But um, when the benefit to the individual child is, is somewhat less than the benefit to someone say who's 80 of getting the vaccine, um, then we you know then the the, the um, uh, we need to be that much more sure that this vaccine is is safe and, and well tolerated um, in children. So you know, certain side effects that we may tolerate in in older people who we know are at very high risk of severe COVID, we we may not tolerate in younger children, like very high fevers, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so I, I think that that's played into it, and and um, in terms of being sure that we get the dose right. And looking at what's the right schedule, like do younger children really need two doses, or is one dose going to be enough and for, to provide the protection to them, but also you know their um, help uh, to allow them to contribute to um, uh, you know community protection, so the pop, you know protecting the population against against COVID spread, because obviously that's the big group where COVID can now spread because they're not vaccinated, unlike. Um, most most people over 12. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So those are those are definitely considerations that go into the trial design and the monitoring. I didn't realize it, but it makes sense that parents be given journals to be able to track symptoms of their children while participating in these trials. And it's important to know that these trials do include placebos. So we've heard about side effects of these COVID-19 vaccines, anything from arm soreness to things as severe as anaphylactic reaction or even myocarditis. Have those same side effects been seen in the children's trials? Yeah, so there, there aren't any, there isn't any data um, out of those trials yet. Mm. And something like, um, so yeah, I mean, anaphylaxis it can occur with any vaccine. It's very rare um, and uh isn't there were some concerns about that early in the vaccine rollout, but I think over time it doesn't seem like um, the rates of anaphylaxis with these vaccines are actually significantly higher than other vaccines. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, with with very young children, so you know, about six months to under five, um, if they get a high fever, um, uh, some children can can develop this a brief seizure. Um, mm. from that very high fever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be one thing that we, um, you know, that they would be monitoring for. Um, we do know, um, uh, you know, that's something that we that has been well studied with other childhood vaccines, the old pertussis vaccines, um, the old whooping cough vaccines that um, sort of um, certainly were used, you know, in the, mm-hmm. up until the mid-90s were um did did certainly cause uh, seizure those types of febrile seizures so seizure in the face of fever mm-hmm. um, and, and a vaccine like these that can cause high fever it cause fever even in adults that would be a concern I have and that's actually something that we're going to be looking for in um, a pediatric surveillance network that I lead um, across Canada where we look at um, emergency visits and 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 um, hospitalizations hospital admissions for for children with young children with febrile seizure mm. um, after COVID vaccine. So we're going to be looking at that once that's rolled out. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, the myocarditis, um, pericarditis that we've seen in, in teens and young adults is something that we'll definitely be monitoring closely in younger children. I mean, they are rare. And so mm. we wouldn't, those trials, you know, include um, a couple of thousand or a few thousand participants 
um, and myocarditis occurs in maybe one in a hundred thousand. Uh, so we may not, mm. we wouldn't really expect to see a case, um, but that is something that we'll be closely monitoring actually through the same program that I just mentioned mm-hmm. um, once vaccines are rolled out. So, uh, so that that's a consideration and, and may, you know, give, um, you know, th- that having come up, I mean, that, that may give some, um, you know, health can and other regulators some pause in, um, in terms of uh, will be something that'll be something they factor into their, their decision to whether to, to um, approve these vaccines mm-hmm. um, and also will affect, you know, be a consideration in terms of how um, public health recommends these vaccines for younger children. I'm wondering if, uh, so the mRNA technology has been around for a number of years. I'm wondering if there's been previous uh, vaccine uh, vaccines that are based on that mRNA technology that have been approved for kids, because that's, that's a, 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 a a question mark, I guess, because this is a, a relatively new uh, vaccine technology. Uh, no, there there haven't been, and, and there haven't been any um, preventive vaccines um, with mRNA technology approved for adults until now. Although mm. now we have, you know, billions of people who've gotten these vaccines. So um, over the last uh, nine months or so, but um, yeah, so it is it is a new technology. But uh, I have to say, in terms of being used for vaccines, but it's obviously a very powerful one. These are highly effective vaccines and they are very safe. Um, and, you know, we're already seeing the the tremendous impact that they're having on the COVID pandemic. Um, and like I said, these um, vaccines have been studied intensely and in people now it's been 18 months since the first, um, uh, you know, clinical trial participants got got the first doses of, of Moderna vaccine back um, in March 2020. Um, and so and we've been and it's, there's been, mm. you know, global effort around the world to, to study these and we're I think the, the amount of monitoring and information sharing around safety um, and effectiveness is, is really unprecedented. So we've learned a tremendous amount um, in, in a very short time. Seeing how children are constantly growing, is there anything in how mRNA works that could interfere with that growth and development? So, so essentially, you know, mRNA is, um, you know, we have our, our genes um, inside um, our cell, which is the DNA. And then when we need to make a protein, um, the, the DNA opens up and we make a little piece of mRNA that has the instructions to make that protein that goes out into the cell and then the cell makes the protein from it. Um, so we have, you know, mRNAs throughout our body to make every single, any protein. And this is um, really not, um, it, it, these vaccines work in the same way and except that the mRNA is coming in from outside the cell um, instead of from inside the cell from the nucleus. So um, you inject the mRNA, which is just in a little fat globule, like little drop of fat. Um, it passes into into your cell and then to your cell, it looks like any other mRNA it might encounter. And so it just makes the protein that it's told to make. Um, and uh, the mRNA itself will degrade um, over you know, hours to a few days, um, and then it's gone and, and, you know, gets broken up and, and recycled. Mm. Um, so, and then, you know, you've produced the protein, and once that mRNA is gone, though, then you don't have the ability to make any more protein, mm. um, make any more spike protein. So so it's really that kind of time, it's a time-limited effect. Um, the, 
you know, as long as the mRNA is there, the spike protein is produced and that is what stimulates the immune system. And then from there, it's, the immune system does what, what the immune system, um, you know, would do against any other, with any other vaccine or virus or uh, bacteria. Um, and it ultimately aims to make, um, uh, uh, you know, create a memory for what that spike protein looks like so that it can, it can react um, uh, you know, early and before you get sick, um, if it if it actually comes across the virus. As these vaccine trials go through for for children uh, and for infants, uh, once they're done, is there any reason for concern for parents uh, to 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 get uh, this uh, to get to have their children vaccinated? No, so I think you know, I think what parents. Um, should be aware of and, and healthcare providers too that um, you know the process that you know we're going through to, to test these vaccines in children and, and and make sure that they're safe and effective is is basically the same process that we've followed all along for adults. We have lots we have multiple different types of of monitoring systems in place in Canada to to monitor vaccine safety. We've already scaled them up. Can, um, Quite a bit to meet the needs of, of COVID vaccines in terms of being able to rapidly um, gather and, and analyze data so that, that we really understand this and share information so that we really understand the safety and make sure that, you know, with other countries and provinces that we know what's going on. Um, and uh, so, and those systems are already in place. So, I, so children will benefit from that extra monitoring um, and that will be you know, available to, to make sure that there's no um, unexpected, um, uh, ad, uh, you know, adverse events or side effects seen in children. And, and we already know, you know, some of the, you know, some things to look for, like, like the myocarditis, that will be something that we'll be able to, to jump on quickly if, if there's any concern. Um, and, and, you know, our public health, uh, our immunization, our vaccine expert committees like NACI are, are very, you know, they're, constantly weighing those those benefits and risks and so if they if they recommend it um, and health can approves it that will be because the benefits for children um, outweigh any potential risk from the vaccine this is why is produced by me adam toy and dave mciver it's a national radio show and a podcast you can reach us by email at this is why at globalnews.ca and on twitter at this is why if you like what you hear and want to hear more make sure you subscribe to this is why so you never miss an episode we're available on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcasts and if you like what you're hearing tell a friend thanks for listening wear a mask and get vaccinated we'll see you soon